Welcome to the Take 92 podcast. My name is Sammy Warmhands. I'm your host, and my voice is a little hoarse today because not only did I finish recording my album this weekend, but I played a little festival here in Eugene called the Whitaker Block Party. I did so with our guest today, Lisa Vazquez. She was my tour mate last year, late 2017, on the Fall Children Tour. We're going to talk about her new EP, Gravity, and more. Welcome to the show. Thank you, thank you. Glad it's been to be a long here. time coming. Yeah, I mean, I was trying to think about it today, like at, at least a year we've been talking about, it, if not two or something. Probably two years, yeah. at least. We shared the stage randomly this weekend. That was cool. Yeah, no, it was cool. I mean, I definitely heard some of your new stuff and you heard some of my new stuff. And both yeah, I even working. heard one of yours that was so old, I thought it was new. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, that was cool. I, I was surprised when you pulled me up. I kind of took the year off from, from touring and trying to only play opening slots or, or getting in front of, you know, different audiences, not trying to exhaust my audience. And, mm -hmm. uh, and that was a great example of getting in front of a whole new demographic and even yeah. being at your set, which was, uh, you know, at a different stage than mine, being able to come up there and perform, you know, I know that I turned some new heads from there because I'd run into them in the street. They'd be like, hey, you were great. I was like, cool. I haven't really played yet. Come see me at five o'clock. And they're like, oh, cool. Yeah. You know, so that, that was nice. No, it's cool. And now going back there, it's like before I left every show that I would play, it was a lot of the same, the same crowd and stuff, same people. But now it's been long enough since I've been there that a lot of new folks and especially with the block party thing. I mean, it's a, it's a completely different crowd. The all ages, you get a huge range of age group, um, you know, instead of just your typical bar crowd. So that was yeah. really nice. Um, it's really hard when, uh, I mean, this is something that I struggle with is that, you know, I've been playing here for a very long time and you've been playing both here and Portland for a very long time. Mm -hmm. And you know, there's so many people that would appreciate what you do, but you can't reach them. You know, like you say, the same kind of crowds that be coming out over and over. And mm -hmm. it's like, how do I, how do I reach those other people? And that's what I've been trying to figure out and, and, and trying different things instead of just doing the same thing and getting, frustrated with the results but yeah. actually trying to to break out of our little scene and and grow yeah i mean that's what's it's been interesting like now uh living in portland there's been quite a few different events that that give me that opportunity to play in front of crowds i wouldn't normally play in front of and um you know just like there's been quite a few like all ages events that I've done or even just random stuff like doing workshops and then getting opportunities to do stuff that way. It's just like doing gigs sometimes just with the thought process that, you know, I'll be introduced to or meeting people that I wouldn't normally meet or even playing at a venue that you know that you want to play at even if the lineup isn't exactly what you want it to be you're like this show isn't going to be necessarily amazing but because of you know who I'm going to be able to interact with and connect with at this show it's going to lead to something at some point and so that's kind of the philosophy I've been operating out of for a really long time is just like making connections with people and you just can see how it spreads and grows and I mean yeah in Portland it's definitely has given me a lot of different uh, expanding opportunities and yeah, it's been great. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's smart. Even like you said, taking a show that on paper doesn't make sense because you haven't played there yet. You know, like if I had a chance to play at Mississippi studios or, or some, you know, some venue right. that I haven't, haven't played at yet, you know, I might take that even if I wasn't the best fit because you know that you could still make an impression with the booker or the management or something exactly. and get asked back to throw your own event or, right. or, or when something comes through that's more relevant, you know, and those, those connections are hard to come by unless you are there in the physical form. <laughs> you know, you can't be another link in their email. You know, it's really hard to stand out that way. Yeah. I mean, and the same thing too with, uh, you know, playing with, with other artists or, or groups that you, have been wanting to connect with you know again it's like if it's not if the venue itself is kind of eh, or the night of the week is like you know not going to turn out very much money still it's just like oh now I'll finally be able to connect with these artists that I've that I've admired or whatever and 
then build something with them that way because you just, you know, could see what they're doing and just, you know, it's all about really building community, in my opinion. That's kind of where I'm at as far as like playing shows and touring and stuff like that. It's just, you know, all those connections, like on our tour and stuff. I mean, all those people that we met along the way, I mean, a bunch of them have hit me up and are like, when are you coming back to play (laughs) and stuff like that? You know I mean? It's like, yeah, it's like if I ever want to do like this crazy other, like Midwest tour (laughs) kind of thing, I can again. And it's, that's really cool. Yeah. Well, that's a, it's a good segue. We should talk about the tour. Actually, it was, uh, in many ways, kind of a nightmare, but it was it was also you know had its had its moments as well. I think it's worth noting here since I have you, we uh, we didn't actually get along for the first and only time <laughs> in the decade or whatever that we've known each other. The first few days we were both so stressed out over you were trying to get your record finished and in, in, in hand, and I was trying to get uh, the tour put together and I was having some internal conflict over I was putting out a, a side project like a non-rap record mm, oh, that, right. that, that I knew wasn't yeah. going to do well and I was doing it anyway and 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 so we were both just very stressed out with our own shit well yeah I missed one of the shows I yeah because of that like I did the Eugene, one of the Eugene shows and then you guys did yes. the, the CD world thing I was like I can't I have to do all this other stuff otherwise I'm not going to be able to make it on tour <laughs> like yes yeah, very stressful. But then once we hit the road, it was, it was all different. Yeah, that's that's totally true. Like, because we played uh, Eugene, and then we did the the in store in Eugene, and then we did Hood River, and then Portland. And for those first four days, it just felt like a clusterfuck. Mm-hmm. And and even like we're you know pushing each other's buttons, and like I I don't know what the fuck was happening. And then the moment that we left. Oregon. Yeah. It was like everyone kind of went, okay. <laughs> well, yeah, it's like once you realize you have no control anymore, <laughs> then you, you either have to accept it or otherwise you're going to be hating yourself. <laughs> it's just like, well, you know, and, and it's just like we we didn't have any more things that we, we had to prepare. So it was just like that was a huge part of the stressor. It's like, oh, okay, preparation's done. Boom. We're now, now we can really relax. I was almost training for what would happen later on the tour, too, because it seemed like we just couldn't catch a break in that, you know, it started out rocky, um, even just on an internal struggle, even though the shows were okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, not great, not great, but they're okay. They all had their moments. <laughs> Actually, I was really pleased with Hood River. I thought I thought Hood River was really nice in that. It was smaller than when I had played there before with No Can Do or with Open Mike Eagle and some of the other shows I'd opened there. Mm-hmm. But but for the first time, it was it was a smaller crowd, but they had all seen me before. I was like, oh, shit, uh, these guys know my words or this guy's coming. Oh, I bought your tape last time. Oh, I bought your shirt last time. And you know, they all had their, the, they wanted to share their story of, of you know, how they came to, to know about Mm-hmm. me coming through and I was like oh actually that's that's really cool I'll take a smaller show where they're actually here for us that's awesome yeah definitely I mean I've had that experience plenty of times where it's just like if it's a more intimate crowd and but a lot of them are just super fans or even people that haven't seen you before you know because it is just like a more intimate thing they'll really latch on because they have the, the space and everything to really pay attention and I've gained a lot of kind of lifetime fans because of that yeah so yeah you can't really discount the smaller shows i've learned totally you you definitely will win people over by still still putting in the same amount of of heart in the in the empty room exactly uh but uh but yeah all that was really only only to to establish the emotional resolve (laughs) and fortitude i mean for we had that one day we had to leave at like seven in the morning drive nine hours get to a show in Montana, oh, find man. out that the oh, the God. venue the venue it. thought it wasn't happening, and then the promoter didn't show up, and so did that ever get resolved? No, we never got the money. We oh, never man. heard from him again, even though we signed the contract. And then, of course, as a lot of people know, because we filmed that wildfire video there, uh, we broke down in Iowa. Was it Iowa City? I think it was Iowa City, um, and we're stuck there for what three days. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so that was just, um, 
I felt really bad, honestly, bringing you and Gradient uh, because, you know, I really fought to make the tour happen when the bookings weren't going great or certain things, you know, schedules weren't lining up or you didn't know if your record was going to be done. And, you know, I think we had a different opener on the tour at one point and then we got Gradient to fill in. And, oh, you know, right. So you were going to get... Eb one. Eb one, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and th- there were so many things that just were stacked against us. And I really persevered to get that tour to happen and then brought you guys out there. And, like, I know there was nothing that I could do. And it wasn't my fault, but I still felt really bad of, like, oh, this is going to be your impression of, <laughs> of <laughs> I was like, oh, me. yeah, tour with Sammy Warman, sure, yeah. It's the worst <laughs> one. And then, like, the one, like, the one show we were looking forward to the, in that whole cluster uh, in the Midwest was Denver when we were kind of heading back and we ended up having to cancel that by what, two or three hours or something because we got stuck in Iowa just a little too long to make it. Like, I mean, right. It, the whole thing was fucked. I just, I felt terrible. Yeah. I remember the whole thing. you screaming on the side of the road. That was like, <laughs> When we ran, oh. was it? Yeah, when we uh, broke down uh, that uh, one, as the, right before the big breakdown, or at during the big breakdown after the what was it? Where was that? Yeah, it was Iowa City. Yeah, we played at Gabe's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. I got out and I and walked like a like, hundred uh, feet away. Uh, you just screamed like I was like, oh yeah, he lost his mind. That's the, this yeah. the moment. <laughs> I had this is the breaking DFS point. DFS scream. <laughs> and well, and then it's funny because I I remember uh, I did that again when we were. God, we were driving through like Wyoming or something and there was like a 14 mile stop and go for an accident. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah, yeah. And uh, we finally got to a rest stop and I fucking just, I had so much pent up anger that I just let it rip standing out there in the parking lot. And you started laughing at me. You're like, oh, you got your primal scream on. And then you guys making fun of me started doing it. And then we're actually like, oh, this is actually kind of (laughs) nice. Yeah, well, you know, we had a lot of pent up stuff, too. We're just I mean, it was, you know, you're talking a lot of shit about it, but it really, you know, all in all still, I mean, all of us really definitely gained something out of it, you know, just just going to these places, meeting the promoters and, you know, all most of the places that people that we played with and the venues themselves all treated us really well. And the people that did show up at the gigs, like usually bought merch and like were into the show. And so definitely was worth it in that sense. And just for the experience, you know, there's no, there's no really replacing that life experience. And it was a new one for me. Like I hadn't, that's the furthest I've ever gone so far. Like, that was a, a new experience for me, for sure. Well, I, I guess I say all that just to hear your your side of it, because I feel a certain way about it based on the the context of the other tours that I've had or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like I've I've lowered the standards bringing you guys onto this one or something like like I should have given you a higher caliber one. But you're going, oh, yeah, but I still got this and this and it was enjoyable, uh, you know, in these ways. And so I guess I feel a little bit better about it (laughs) knowing that because I I think I just felt like a guilt about it, not just like I was frustrated with the circumstances because, you know, that was a big problem with a lot of the things is when I'm not in in control of the situation, it's not going according to plan. Right. It's like that's hard for me. You were like um, tour dad and then, you know, you're just like feeling bad that the whole thing that you, you know, signed, we signed up for, you know, you're just like, this is not what I wanted it to be. <laughs> it's like, yeah. I'm turning this car around. <laughs> like, exactly. Know, it's, it's like, even, even as hard as I was trying to hold things together, it still couldn't save it. And <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I, I definitely had, um, I don't know, I don't want to say regrets about it, but I guess guilt about it. Um, so I'm glad that you don't l- look yeah, too I terribly on that time. No, not at all. I mean, it definitely, I, I think it was a great experience, and I gained a lot from it. So don't feel guilty. <laughs> you know, that's good. That's good. Yeah, and we didn't lose money. Hey, you know, I mean, that's that's definitely because it was like you know, 
Well, you didn't lose money. Uh, oh. <laughs> I, I'm still paying off oh, the, yeah, okay. all the Never, money I lost. Oh, well, the van. I forgot about the yeah. van thing. Well, I guess that was, that, was a, that was a crazy, you know, unexpected expense. But as far as like what the, aside from that, you know. Yeah. Yeah, it's just tough. I mean. Yeah, all regular expenses were fine, but that one was fucking brutal. Right. And that's yeah. just, I don't know, to me, like, being a musician and everything is just kind of a metaphor for life in general. Like, you have to just take what it throws at you and do it not for what you're getting from it, but what what it the music, at least is why I do it, you know, just like what the music gives to me. And when, when I connect with people with the music, that gives me what I, you know, that gives me a lot of the satisfaction for just when I put it out there. It's not you know, money driven or like, you know, fan driven or like how many fans I mean, you know, I mean, all that stuff. I think it, it inevitably comes in time if you keep focused on just working on your craft and doing it for the right reasons, you know, the, all that stuff will, will show in time. But if you're doing it, you know, for that expectation of, you know, like if you're going to be disappointed if there isn't a hundred 200 whatever people at every show or you're not making x amount of dollars then yeah you probably will be disappointed it's like oh yeah that's that's, just torturing yourself (laughs) exactly and you know but i you know you and i i'm sure both know people that that that's kind of where their mind's at with it sometimes and it, it just you know just sets themselves up for disappointment and yeah i mean with as hard as it is you you have to truly love what you do and get something out of the simple act of doing it mm-hmm. because if it's for those other reasons, I mean, it's a shot in the dark. If you're ever going to get those numbers or that money or that attention or publicity or whatever it is, the thing you're after, that's the impossible carrot that, that everyone's chasing. Whether or not we do it for ourselves, you know, the fantasy is that we could do it for a living. <laughs> right. Know? I mean, and so, the, so the people who have aspirations even beyond that and they want to be viral and Instagram famous or on the double XL freshman class or something, you know, it's just like that is just, uh, it's mean to yourself. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think though, like turning it into a career is, is absolutely possible. But the way I've been looking at it lately is you kind of have to come at it from a lot of different angles and, you know, just like anything else, looking at not just the music part of it, but selling, you know, with the merch and stuff like that and, you know, different avenues of, you know, opening up to, you know, like you with doing your podcast, getting yourself out there in that way, just being more innovative to kind of monetize the music you know, have people be able to support because everybody loves, you know, cool T-shirts and cool gear and stuff like that. And so. Well, and on top of that, you have a sponsorship deal. Yeah. What does that entail? So, I mean, yeah, so I have several different ones. And um, yeah, with Ninkasi, um, that's been my longest running sponsorship. I can't remember exactly when I got uh, involved with them. I think it was like 2014 or something like that. And It's basically cross-promotion. They'll do recordings for me for free at their Ninkasi Studios, which is a gorgeous studio ran by James Book over there. He does the artist sponsorship stuff. That's a huge perk. Yeah, it's that's fantastic. And, you know, so they'll and they'll have me at the bigger events that they have. So I just did like the King Cannabis Cup that was outside of Eugene, you know, so they'll get me like these different paying gigs and um, I can apply for getting money for doing touring and stuff like that. But that's something that I have yet to apply for because I just need to, it takes a lot of planning because you kind of have to just write out like, this is what I'm going to do for you and trade for this X amount of dollars and it has to make sense. And so, yeah, but uh, you know, and then obviously free stuff, I'll get gear and beer and (laughs) Recently, James just was like, hey, can I use the song we recorded to do uh, this little ad spot we're going to do for Ninkasi? And I was like, yeah, <laughs> definitely. Yeah, <of> course. <laughs> and, you know, it's free promotion. How could I say no to that? And Yeah, put my um, fucking name in the fine print. Exactly. And so, you know, it's like it's not directly money, but it will getting my name out there turns into money. Somebody will see that and be like, oh, I like that. Like, who's that? Like, let me book her for this thing. And, you know, so that's pretty much like with all the sponsorships I have, um, you know, now I do have Guayaki, um, I have Fat Bull Clothing in um, Arcata, um, 
Two-Town Cider, which I haven't talked to them in a little while, but um, I've been meaning to hit them up again. Um, and I think that's it. Yeah, so that those are the things I have going on right now. And um, they all kind of have their little perks, but just mainly like um, cross promotion, you know, is the, is the biggest perk. Yeah. It's, it's putting your stuff in front of eyes that would probably never be at a show at Lucky's or, uh, you know, you know, somewhere in your stomping ground, you know, it's smart. And what you were saying about uh, being in the commercial reminded me of, uh, I just listened to Eugene weekly podcasts. They talked briefly about the block party as it was, uh, coming up. Kit Day was on there from This Patch of Sky, and he said that, granted, they uh, got signed to Equal Vision Records, and, you know, they have a a team behind them now, but Mm -hmm. he said that they got a song licensed for a McDonald's commercial, and that that song wound up getting a million plays. I don't know if it was on YouTube or Spotify or what, but that it brought all this traffic to them and so that shit is really fucking smart like like it's something that i can't do like i i've i've put up some of my singer songwriter stuff or my punk stuff but i can't put up my hip-hop because i sample the fuck out of things so like if people are making a a, you know a a different kind of music than i am that's so sample heavy i mean that is a no-brainer of trying to get your music into those circles because that can put not only money in your pocket you know i've had friends make 10 grand off getting a clip of a song in a reality tv show in the background that's the dream that's the dream (laughs) yeah it's like what the fuck and and that's a paycheck but then it's also your name's in the fine print people go oh what's this i want i want to hear that song yes you know and it can actually bring fans to you and and and, and i don't mean that just in terms of views and who knows yeah other but those are people who will follow you then and maybe come see you and maybe buy your records and you know and so so that really could be a, a great gateway for people and and uh i wish it's something i could utilize more but uh that's a, a great opportunity even on a small level to have yeah i mean and that's that's another thing that um i've been introduced to rec- more recently is uh, just different licensing deals that uh, like through a local company uh, called Marmoset they've reached out to me pretty recently and you know they're just like yeah we love your stuff you know submit all what you can and you know but you can't have any samples you know <laughs> and I'm just like okay yep. so I have to redo a bunch of stuff <laughs> or make new stuff but but you know since I do play instruments you know I can get stuff at least that's royalty free if I do any kind of sampling you know I have I have a bunch of stuff that I could use but I mean mostly just you you know use my own skills on whatever instruments I have to to produce something and yeah I mean well, I, I think that's smart as reworking existing tracks like when well we obviously we met at our old job at Guitar Center yes and <laughs> at that time at that time they had those uh, compilation CDs They'd have like a famous artist pick, you know, this genre for this compilation. Well, the illusionist got chosen. Oh wow! He, he picked he picked from the submissions and he chose our song, "Real MCs," and then we had to sign these contracts and remove all the samples. So we had to remove the scratches and redo them as something else. We had to remove the drums and redo them as something else. Um, wow! And and so we, because originally like the bass and the keyboards and stuff, like the synth parts were all real live instruments, mm-hmm. but the rest of it wasn't. And so, you know, we had Gabe come in and lay a real live drum track over it. And we had, you know, Cross come in with a chaos pad and <laughs> fake scratch some stuff because we couldn't scratch, you know, it was like a guest scratch originally or something, you know, right. so we really had to, to figure it out, but that became the version of the song that we would play live in the future. Even when we would tour without a band, we would use that recording of it because it was actually better after we had to go through and, no, no, the drum's got to be fucking perfect, you know, if we're going to, you know, replace this awesome Dave Grohl drum part, you know, like, has to be just this way. And we got it sounding so good that it was like, wow, this is better than the original. <laughs> that, that wasn't bad. Cool. <laughs> Yeah, I mean that's actually a good point. I hadn't thought about that necessarily. Just going back to the tracks that that have samples in them and just 
doing my best to play them or getting friends that play instruments, you know, to just do it. And, you know, what's interesting about like, you know, with getting these placements is just, I mean, you have no idea who or what, like, you know, commercials or movies or whatever. I mean, there's so many random things out there that the sounds that they're looking for are, you know, unpredictable and you just never know. So yeah, it's totally worth it to, even if you think it's, you're like, eh, this is a little, you know, it's not the way that you're wanting it to sound, but it's not for that purpose, you know, like you don't know if like the intro of some new crazy reality TV show or something, you know, is going to want that like the crazy thing that you're putting out. I mean, just, you know, just do it, make that money. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Got to get creative, man. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's part of the reason I do this show. Like you said, because I put out a lot of music. I feel like I ask a lot of people in, in supporting those projects or coming to see my next tour and so I wanted to put out a thing that's just, it's something different and it's free and anybody can just have it on their phone, you know, take it or leave it. And it's no commitment to you mm. <laughs> as the fan, you know, as the listener, mm-hmm. take it or don't. And, uh, you know, and I'll, I'll enjoy making it. Yeah. And I do the same thing with like all my cover songs on, you know, YouTube or the, or the stolen songs CDs that I put out, like. All, all that stuff I do, it's it's free. It's a different kind of demographic. There's a big intersection, you know, between punk and hip-hop. And so I've found, you know, a lot of people will come across my cover, acoustic cover of a no-effect song. And then, oh, shit, this guy is a rapper. Oh, shit, I kind of like that, you know. And so, you know, the podcast, the YouTube stuff, you know, it's all helpful. And doing different groups. I mean, well, you started in a group. I... Hadn't known you as a as a solo artist until just a few years ago. I mean, what was what was the genesis of branching out on your own? Well, yeah, I mean, I always loved playing in groups. Um, you know, just I don't know the reason why it got complicated uh, with the groups I was in before is that just scheduling and obviously people's egos and you know personalities clashing. But a lot of it was just logistics. Yeah, it's, it's hard. And, you know, I'm sure any band has experienced that where it's just like trying to to get practices together for like six or seven people can be a nightmare. And especially when we were trying to do things where there wasn't necessarily, at least in the the group that I was in called Default, like it uh, didn't necessarily have like a leader. So we would just kind of shift roles when it felt right. You know, somebody would get frustrated with trying to coordinate. So another person would step up. And it was just messy, you know, to try to do that. But the music was incredible. And so it was really hard to, to step away from. Um, but eventually, um, yeah, so I tried to start another group kind of stemming from that called The Element. And I was kind of taking the reins as, as leading that group. And that got a little tricky, too, because same kind of thing. Like, I, I didn't write all the songs but I was trying to play the leader role. And so that made people feel some type of way sometimes. <laughs> and I was like, well, I don't know what to tell you because I'm just trying to move it forward. I'm not trying to say like I have, you know, the the bottom line and everything that we're doing. But, you know, if I'm putting in the effort of like booking the shows and scheduling the practices and, you know, we're having practices at my house and whatnot. And, um, you know, it felt like I was putting in a lot of work and, then if I don't know, it just like I could go on and on and on. But I mean, no, I, I get in, it. Yeah. It's, it's really hard. <laughs> yeah, it's really hard with creative people who aren't necessarily wired to be social, professional, necessarily ambitious. You know, it's a different way of thinking yeah. of, of creativity. And and it generally falls on one person who's going to go. If nobody else does this, it's not going to happen, you know, mm-hmm. so. I'm going to get us on stage. I'm going to get us the recording time. I'm going to get us the photo shoot. I'm going to try to get us in the paper. I'm going to set up our band camp, our social media. You know, there's there's a person who that, that falls on, and it can be hard because many times that person is the, you know, the front man, songwriter guy. Who, and, and in that case, you might alienate the people in the group that, they're not contributing as much creatively because you are and you're telling them what to do. <laughs> right. Or in your case, if you have someone who feels like they are leading creatively and you're asking them to 
be at a certain place at a certain time, it can rub people the wrong way. It's really hard to find the balance of like, okay, yeah, we're friends and this is really fun, but also like, is anyone ever going to hear this? I learned a whole lot from the experience and I definitely was humbled in just seeing my faults and the way that like me trying to manage it and control the situation at times it wasn't necessarily fair to everyone but it's really hard to be like super diplomatic in the whole situation at all times and but all in all it was a great group of people to work with and I still uh, definitely keep in contact with most if not all of them in in some fashion respect them all as musicians highly and you know um, but yeah I was kind of like trying to transition to doing solo from there that's kind of how I got into when I started doing live looping I was like okay well how can I recreate this big sound with just me Um, and this was before I was getting used to doing sampling and using sequencers and stuff like that so I was just yeah just, yeah you had that hand sonic yeah I did the hand sonic so I could just yeah so I just did looped drums with the hand sonic into the TC Helicon looper and then use my voice because I was like my main instrument at the, at the time drums and vocals that's kind of what I did in the band for the most part and so I was like hey okay I'll just do this and yeah it was it was great and for for quite a while um because it was something pretty unique that a lot not a lot of people were doing it you know it caught on pretty quick and definitely you know spearheaded into me exploring a little more just into to what I could do with between looping and now doing more sampling and stuff like that and integrating other instruments that way um well yeah and if, if I mean if we pause for a second like at at the time where um because if I'm if if I'm picturing it you know these memories of, <laughs> of uh you know lisa back in the day uh, uh pixie cut singing in the group <laughs> versus versus solo artists long-haired grown-up lisa um <laughs> you know like there was nothing like it at the time so you were clearly figuring it out as you went but oh, man, it was yeah. also like there was nothing to compare it to i mean in our little scene it was very male driven bar heavy no singing ever and you're bringing not only a kind of a fluid soulful side to it but also i mean you're singing in the beats like you said you know in in to create the melody of the song itself before you start putting words on it i mean you're you're singing into that as well so it was so left field at the time that even though you were still experimenting and trying to find your your lane it was like oh shit everyone kind of turned around and was like oh who is this yeah i mean in a lot of ways i miss that that whole setup and what i was doing there because i mean people for what i'm doing now is still definitely unique in its own way like because I am still doing the vocal looping along with the live beat making and rapping and singing and it's just like doing trying to do fit a lot into it just as one person and that in and of itself is pretty unique but what I was doing before just with how like you know the whole beat was my voice (laughs) for the most part and well and drums that I was but I was playing it all out live and you know, regardless of, because I was kind of trying to, you know, there's a soul hip hop thing, but even if people that aren't into that genre, a lot of people would still respond to it just because the skill that it took for, to be able to do that in the first place. Like, like sometimes I'm still like, I don't even know how I did that, like, or how I can do that. Like, I mean, it's, it took a long time. Yeah, it takes some balls, you know, and <laughs> it's kind of like carnage in that you could take someone who's not a rap fan and play them a Carnage song on a CD, and they'd probably have mixed reactions to it. But if you put them in a club, and he's on stage, right? and he's beatboxing the, the bass line, and the melody, and the shakers, and the drums, and then starts to rap over it, and then, the, you know, he f- has that person's full attention. You know, and so you you guys had the the benefit of creating something in a scene where even DJs aren't super prevalent anymore. It's usually just a dude like me push and play and go and look what I have to say. Yeah. You know, so that that really is an advantage 
in trying to carve out a little niche for yourself. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, that's one thing that, you know, I've heard Carnage talk about before other people that do live looping. And it was also my experience that trying to translate that onto CD is something that was really difficult because it's not that, you know, I couldn't just do it and record it, but something about the live, seeing somebody do that was was at least half of it right there. Like just seeing, yeah, you seeing don't want the it process. lost in translation. Yeah. And you know, so that it's like, there's some magic in that, like just being a part of the experience. And, and that was part of also the reason why I transitioned more to doing sample based stuff, because I'm like, how can I make the live performance be like the CD? Like, you know, I was, it was frustrating that when I do the recordings, I'd be like, ah, there's something it's missing. And, you know, now since I've kind of started doing this, then it really helps to when I'm sitting at home and like if I'm making something on my computer and then put it, you know, or or on the MPC and then when I do it live, it sound it'll sound like the recording more or less. Yeah. And and there's something in in your process, like in your not your creative process on like a day to day sense, but in your evolution over the last few years as a solo artist. Mm-hmm that's really fascinating because I can almost see a little bit of like when I was in the illusionists and we were all coming from different, you know, punk and metal backgrounds and, and, and trying to establish this thing. And it took a while. And then once we started getting out there, it's like we would have our little videos of us going out on the road and doing these things. And, and people would kind of get a, window into what we were doing and they would see us evolve and they would see us trying things and that was very much clear just watching you you know at those architects weeklies and monthlies and Mm. you know seeing you getting better and seeing oh wow now she's incorporating these really great drum sounds and like oh now she's incorporating these samples and and the way that you will post your little studio sessions Mm -hmm. online in a very fly on the wall way not like i'm you know, trying to, oh, check out this fucking banger I just made, guys, you know, but but just in the like, like hey, <laughs> I tried something else today. What do you think of this? You know, I think people have been able to see your your arc over these last couple of years and like, you know, see you kind of come into your own. And it's it's something that there's really no substitute for it. It gets them rooting for you, you yeah. know? We've been able to, to watch you... Um, go from the the hand sonic to the mpc to you know from the little shows to going out on the road and you know actually putting out your ep and stuff like that i mean it's it's cool watching the steps i think yeah i mean it's been yeah it's been a crazy journey and just like sometimes that's kind of how it feels even from my point of view like i'm just watching myself do this being like whoa this is crazy you know and like and that finally cuz for so long like i'm sure probably other artists can relate to this of just like you have this this vision in your head you're like okay this is what this is what I want to sound like this is what I want these you know these beats or lyrics or whatever it is you're doing you know to sound like and there's no substitute for just putting in the work and it just however long it takes you because you just have to put in x amount of hours that's how long it's going to take you and at this point I finally put in enough hours to where I feel like I'm pretty close like I'm you know I don't think I'll ever get there like there's not like an actual there but like yeah, there's no yeah there's no finish line yeah. and and there's not like we'll have an idea of, of where we want to go and we'll never end up in the place we think we should have been right um, but you do keep getting better if yeah. you keep trying and challenging yeah. yourself and it's like, just, like you are I just feel so much better about where I am now as far as like what I've always wanted to do like when I was doing the the hand sonic and the vocal underlaying to to make a beat. I still always wanted to, like, I always just like, you know, admired other artists that, that had beats. I was like, I want to do that. Like, that's what I want to be doing. And, you know, like now I'm finally getting to the point where it's just like, Oh, okay. Like it's, it's starting to match the vision and it's, it feels really good. You know, it's like, I've, I've reached one, one goal finally you know just like being proud of the stuff that I'm putting out there like I'm this next album that I'm going to be putting out I don't have a date for it or anything like that yet but whenever it's finished 
it just keeps getting closer and closer to where I'm just like, yes, this is the music I want to be making. This is, this is it, <laughs> you know, it feels good. It's like finally all the work, years and years <laughs> of work is, is paying off. Yeah, it's, it's really nice when you can finally pick your head up and take a breath and go, oh, this, all this was actually for something. It's going somewhere. <laughs> like, I'm actually seeing results from this work. Yeah, definitely. So tell me about the um, Gravity record, because that, as I was mentioning, you prepared for our Fall Children tour last year. Yeah. And you've, you've had great responses to it, even a little press and some features here and there yeah. on, on blogs and stuff. Uh, I mean, tell me about that project. Yeah, I mean, that was something that was like, you know, it was a long time coming and I got so in my head about it because it was going to be the first thing I ever really put out. And so I struggled with, okay, now I'm making all these these instrumental beats that I like, and but I'm also a singer and a rapper and like... How am I going to balance this? Like, do I really want to put vocals over all these? And, you know, it finally, I mean, really, I th I work well kind of under pressure in a sense. You know, that's a lot of times why I like I like to, to still continually do shows, maybe not as many as I used to. But, um, I mean, I still do quite a few. But anyway, off track. <laughs> like, having the tour planned with you really gave me a solid deadline I was like okay well I need to have this done by this tour or it's gonna be stupid so I that gave me the deadline you know I just really worked with the the strongest of the songs that I had at the time and my philosophy you had what five made the cut yeah Is so I had this five track EP called Gravity and uh, three of the songs have vocals on them two are instrumentals but how many did you have that you were drawing from that you were whittling oh, it down man. to. Oh man, I mean, a hundred. <laughs> like I don't know. Wow. No, I mean, I have just because it was my whole, you know, library of of past work that I was like, I, I, it, I just kind of got overwhelmed with it. But they chose themselves after a while. You know, when I just started listening to my really old stuff, I decided I'd outgrown that, and then so that cut out a huge number of of tracks that I was choosing from. You know, some of the songs on there were maybe even like two, three, four years old even. I think two of them were maybe more in the in the last six months or so from when, when I released it. So, I mean, there was a, a fairly big range there in the, the age of the songs. But I also, when I f finally picked them, there was kind of a flow to, the, I mean, not really a theme necessarily, but, you know, I just wanted, the, yeah, I wanted it to flow and then all to kind of fit together to where it felt like a cohesive album. And I was pretty happy with the way that it ended up. And, you know, like you said, it, like I was really nervous about it when I when I released it. But um, Bandcamp gave me November's Best of Soul album. And That's that was so amazing because it was since it wasn't like my network of people that I'm, you know, normally showing my stuff to is, you know, the whole Bandcamp that's like international. And to me, that was like mind blowing and, you know, got the scratch final review and top five rap songs i made that list in the willamette weekly uh for gravity yeah and that was really cool so i mean yeah just stuff that that made me feel validated in that like i, I made something good <laughs> and i was like yes yeah i mean it's your first first real release and you're getting like you said validation for it i mean that's that's a hell of a start i mean mo most of us don't don't get that right away you know, you put out some duds before you get to one that actually resonates like that. So uh, congrats thank on that. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, it was definitely a lot of thought and effort put into it. And, you know, I still definitely could be nitpicky about it. And I'm actually working on right now just doing a slight remix to some of the songs. And that because I'm going to do another. I sold out of all the ones that the CDs that I had purchased before. So I'm going to do a new pressing mm -hmm. and um, with a more professional sleeve on it. So I'm going to also just do just slight editing and stuff like that but yeah i mean it's it's good i've considered doing that too actually you know i'll, I'll put out a release and then uh, i'll tour on it pretty much until it sells out and then i'll put out another one and i've considered like if i do reprint those do i want to go through and like remix a couple things and you know I, I don't know if i want to i've been on the fence about that but uh, definitely something as recent as yours uh, would would make a lot of sense. I'm wondering, like, should I, am I 
fucking with history here of like this that's where I was at that time that's what it should be I've toyed with that too in my head because it's just like it is it is going back and I don't really want to spend much more time on it because I already did spend so much time on it to begin with um I mean I think that if I do end up doing that with the remixing I'm just gonna get somebody else to help me because if I try to do it myself, I know myself well enough. It's just like, I'm going to spend forever on it. And at this yeah. point it's like, well, already because of, you know, people have responded and positively to it. It's, it's good enough to where that is a good representation of where I was at then, you know, and shouldn't necessarily mess with it too much. And just put that energy into making some new stuff and working harder at, at the next one. Not to take anything away, but to insert myself a tiny bit, I did help mix two of those beats early oh, on, because uh, I was like, "These are fucking awesome." <laughs> if you have any more of those, <laughs> I'm working on an album right now. Right. Yeah. But that was good shit. Oh man, it Thank really you. was. Yeah, I mean, and that reminds me too. That's the other thing that's been weighing on my mind lately. For because as I've been putting out more of these beat videos, I get hit up by people that ask me to to buy beats for me and it's not an avenue that I've explored yet and I think you got some real potential for that I mean we're talking about other ways to make money with your yeah. music I mean that's real creativity that's real what you're genuinely wanting to put out there that people want to buy yeah why not I mean well I'll tell you what <laughs> no. but yeah I mean I'm torn about it mostly because it, if it's like part of it's just like a control issue thing and like of wanting to if it's going to have my name on it you know I don't know what people are going to do to that song <laughs> and like it makes me a little yeah, bit you nervous to a guy like me and then he does a fucking <laughs> five minute rant on it there is no god you're like what don't yeah they're oh, like please shit. Lisa Vasquez I'm like no <laughs> if, if you work with somebody that you that you trust, you know, like personally, I, w I was making a lot of my own music for this album that I just finished, you know, Ogar Burl was listening to some of the demos and he really liked it. And, and we ended up talking that, well, I'm going to keep making them for him now that my project's done, but I'm not like advertising. I want to sell my beats necessarily. I just feel, feel like, I could make a thing that would work well for what he right. does, you know? So if you can find somebody who's like, oh yeah, I know that this person would be really great for this, you know, I'll, I'll take their request seriously because I know they're not going to fucking do some weird yeah, shit Yeah, I mean, it. definitely at that, at, you know, when it comes to just other artists, you know, like if you hit me up and I had beats that I was, and that's the other thing, it's like wanting to let go of the ones that I like. That's the other problem. Like people are like, Oh, I love that beat. And I'm like, so do I, it's mine. <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. You can't show them the stuff that you're already like, Oh yeah, but this is going to be on mine. Right. Cause I, I did that to graves once where he was, he, he sent me a batch and I was like, no, no, send me the good ones. And he sent me another batch. I was like, no, seriously, send me the good ones. And then he sent me a batch and I was like, I want every single one of mm -hmm. these. And he's like, that's like half my next right. album. I was like, well, tell me how many I can have. And he's like, I eh, just take them. And that ended up being half of rare form. Wow. You know, but I, I knew that he was holding out on me. I was like, no, come on, dude, give me the, you're really good at this. Do the sound that I like, <laughs> yeah. you know, you know, the thing, <laughs> do like, the no. thing. Come on. Yeah. He's like, these are the ones I sell, you know? Yeah. I get it. Yeah. You want to keep the best stuff for yourself. But also, like you said, your name is going on it, so you don't want to give them some half-ass right, shit either. Right, right. I mean, and yeah, I like, you know, just that idea of using people that I know and respect as artists to start out with, to just kind of get my feet wet with it. And if I feel like it, just going to the internet and being like, hey, Beats for Sale. But at this point, it's like I really haven't, I'm not, like that's not a goal of mine at this point to you know, just be a beat maker producer for, you know, selling beats online and stuff like that. But who knows? I mean, yeah, this, yeah. it's a lot of time. And I think as a long-term goal, that would be smart as a way to, yeah, to monetize what I'm doing and to keep going out there. If I don't want to, if I don't want to keep performing and touring and stuff like that personally, you know, I could still then just get my music out there that way. And then, and then you got those fuckers to push it out there exactly, for you. Exactly, the minions. <laughs> no, and they're like, oh, who made this track? Oh, I'm going to look her up. Interesting. 
I never even thought of that. <laughs> I want to mention before we wrap that uh, one of my more uh, popular songs with people has been our collaboration. Morning. Which, uh, yeah, it's either midnight or it's oh, morning, right. depending on which which version, oh, right. the the OG or the remix, the Sapient remix was the one that we made the the video for right. so that's what most people mm-hmm. know but um uh that was uh that was a cool project yeah i mean i just remember you hitting me up and just hey do you want to <laughs> do you want to do a hook on this song i'm like uh yeah definitely and you just sent me the the original one which i really like a lot i definitely like the sapient version as well but um i think yeah the first one definitely that's what i wrote the the hook to originally so yeah, and I, I, I used the Sapient one a lot live because I felt like it had a lot more, um, like, dynamics for, for live performance. Mm-hmm. But uh, but obviously the KI, uh, the whole Famous Last Words record that he did has that awesome, you know, gritty, almost lo-fi underground sound that that we both love. And that's why I thought of you for it. It was like, oh, I know who'd sound good <laughs> on this record. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, and that was great. And you doing some cool shows like Wow Hall. What did we do? Was the was that Fashion? No, not Fashion. Uh, oh yeah, no, we did, we did. Yeah, with well, the Fashion and Exile show, we were both on. Yeah, and just you know, that was cool too. That just for a while there, you know, while you were uh, had just released that, you had me on some a couple guest appearances that way. And when you wrote the part, you said, "Well, I'm not quite happy with it. Give me a minute," and then. You came up with an alternate version. Right. You said, well, here's two choices. Mm-hmm. And I really liked both of them. And so we made one the hook and one the, the kind of bridge. Or whatever, yeah. At, at the end. Yeah, yeah. I was glad that uh, you had the foresight to go, well, I could say something else on this and, and try a different direction because it ended up making the arrangement more interesting in the end. Yeah. I mean, I like to do that whenever I get asked to do features i try to give a couple options at least it's always a good way to go because you know it's you never really know exactly what the person's looking for well it turned out great (laughs) you know i I don't work with a a lot of uh singers i keep mine pretty uh pretty rapidy rap (laughs) but um i thought that 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 track really is a a favorite of mine and kind of helped me tell a story that was uh important to me and personal to me so yeah glad that we did that definitely I wanted to bring it a little more current as we wrap up here and touch on your tour that you did with uh, Henry Canyons and Prem Rock and Fresh Kills. Yeah, it was interesting. You know, definitely, uh, yeah, Fresh Kills I've known for, for a while now and definitely respect him as an artist. He's He hails from Canada. And um, so that was my first time ever touring with him. I've, I th- believe I've done a couple of shows with him before. Yeah. And it was first time me meeting uh, both Primrock and, and Henry Canyons, but, um, yeah, definitely had fun with those guys. All great yeah. dudes. Yeah. And Henry Canyon stuff definitely blew me away. Um, and the, the tour itself, you know, it was a tour. <laughs> it was like, and <laughs> I, you know, definitely same kind of thing. Like it was just like, there, I have great things to say about, every single place in its own way, just as far as like, you know, meeting other artists or, you know, just connecting with certain fans or whatever, just, you know, some of the experiences, but it was crazy. It was like some of the weekdays just, just maybe be like, why am I here? What, what am I doing right now? <laughs> you know? And yeah. Like, like I could be on my own bed yeah. tonight. But, um, I think those memories you always look back on and just be glad you did it regardless. And it's like, just like a lot of other things you do in your life, like, you know, not, not for the money, fame, fortune aspects, you know, you're just like doing it just to live. Like, I just want to get out of town and just experience different things and like get my music out there to people that wouldn't otherwise see me and seeing, having people see you live. There's, it's, does something different, you know, I mean, people seeing like your videos online or, you know, just listening to it. I mean, that's definitely a way to connect. But when I, whenever I've gone out and seen, bands that I like live it's it's a whole different experience and so that's one of the reasons why and I like to tour I'm sure you can relate 
Completely. I mean, I, I like playing shows, but there's a lot of other stuff that, that surrounds it that makes it more difficult and more trying. I would say my first love is, is you know, the creative process and, and being here in the studio. Mm-hmm. But, but I go out there because I am proud of what I made in here and I really want to, to get it out there. And like you said, you, people see your video, they, you know, stream it, you know, maybe they'll enjoy it, but you're not really connecting with people like you are when you take those songs and you play them on stage and you see people's faces when you say the certain line or, or when you sing the certain note and, you know, you get those, those real time reactions, like stand up comedy or something, you know, you're, 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 the the song becomes an organic being of like you're you're actually seeing what about it works and what doesn't work and 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 I almost treat that as as an extension of the creative process and that you can you can work it all out in the studio and then take it out there and it becomes something different and then I'll come back and record it again and and that's the one that I put out because I've learned these things about it just by doing it with with a live audience and, and talking to them after and, Oh, this line that you said, and Oh, that happened to me. And, you know, and all those little things, um, there's, there's just no substitute and it can be lonely being a, a little solo creative type. Oh man. Yeah. Maddeningly. So <laughs> sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you get in your head, you'll be your own worst critic and, and you get out there and it's so, reinvigorating it's inspiring you know as hard as it is it also makes you feel great even those tiny shows if if you play for two people and both of those people come up and buy your stuff and then the the bartender comes over and goes wow i've never seen something quite like this can i buy something you're like holy shit wow that yeah you know that makes you feel great even though you only sold things to three people yeah <laughs> it feels like you had the best time of your life because uh you you put yourself out there and it meant something to somebody else like wow holy shit definitely yeah i mean and making mistakes and shitty sound systems and you know just like weird things that that are just real life you know it's not uh, trains driving by through my set (laughs) but it's just like that that like level of like reality and humanity that's brought to the, the the performance heightens the whole connection that that you that you get with the audience and that to me is priceless you know that's because that's to me again like the whole the whole reason for the music in the first place like you know I try to say things in the music that's either you know just going to make people connect like you felt this before come on you know like you're not alone and like you know but it's going to be okay because you know it's all crazy and just it's just life and which is great because you say that but you most of us really when we're writing that shit is going i'm not crazy right (laughs) it's not just me well yeah i mean well that's the whole thing is like and then but then you get to share that with with other people and then even just being a woman and like being able to do that and i've had other women come up to me plenty of times and just be like wow that really inspires me just to see you up there you know killing it doing your thing and like it makes me want to just like start singing again or writing or whatever it is they do, you know, but just like being able to inspire people to do what makes them happy creatively and just to get their mind unraveled doing stuff, you know, it's just like, I think that's, that's a lot of what, what, what it is to be a creative is that, you know, we just, we're in our minds and it's a way to, to just unravel it all and make something beautiful out of, our pain and our strife in this life and whatever, you know. I like what you said too about representation because I've had people say that to me about you when we're playing shows together. Uh, as, as funny and superficial as this sounds, I've had bald dudes come up and say <laughs> that to me at many shows going like, wow, you know, I, I can't believe you're that bold with this you're just going for you know and and it's stupid at a glance but it it means something when when someone who doesn't look like 
what you would think goes on that stage. Right. Then does go on that stage and challenges you or makes you laugh or something, you know, their, their performance is, you know, on the same level as anyone else who's there, right? But you didn't expect that a person like that, a person like you, would be up there. That does say something that's like, you don't have to be trapped in your box because you don't look like your favorite, you know, rock singer or your favorite rapper or, or yeah. whatever, you know. You, your your only limit is what you're willing to put in. Right. You know, it's huge. It's not some like people look at it as like a political topic or something, movie casting and all this stuff. But really, uh, it's a huge statement. It's an inspiration to people. And and why wouldn't you want to open more people's eyes? to push their imagination and contribute to this thing that we all love. I mean, that's, uh, that's a win-win for everybody. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I would always rather have the content outshine the imagery, you know, and I don't ever want it to be vice versa. Like, you know, a lot of what pop culture is a lot of the time is just, you know, selling imagery and, maybe the content is is valuable but if you took away the imagery would it still would it still be that way <laughs> you know and it's like yeah i don't know definitely it's a way to advertise and it's it's not anything new but um just when it comes to like the the artistry itself like yeah you just have to kind of the content is is the thing that's that needs to shine through and and will shine through you know regardless if it's good it's good i mean it's undeniable yeah, so. straight up. Well, I appreciate you being yourself and killing it <laughs> out you, there. It's awesome. I'm loving every set better than the last, you know, every new beat hitting harder. <laughs> it's been a treat to watch. And I'd like to close the show with one of the songs from Gravity. Oh. Do you have a pick that you would want me to play? Um, I guess, you know, we could go with Gravity. Might as well just do the, the title track there. Awesome. Well, thanks for... Uh, doing the show thanks for having me all right that is our show thank you for listening you can check out lisavazquez.com for more i'm gonna play you off with one of her tracks as promised but we're coming up on a number i didn't think we'd ever hit with this show this is episode 49 and number 50 is around the corner i've been really trying to stay consistent dropping every two weeks for you guys even as I'm finishing my album, I did not get a chance to do this one promptly. So Lisa and I, uh, we tried to record while she was in town. We ended up doing it over the phone tonight. And uh, I am editing here still. It is about two hours before this thing is about to premiere. And I got to work, I would say tomorrow, but now today. So this sucks. But I'm really doing my best to keep up the content for you guys and I've got a couple ideas for how to make episode number 50 a really good one I thank you for listening if you're new to the show please subscribe to it I've got plenty of great interviews uh, people that you know people that you don't know all kinds of great talent to be discovered subscribe to us give us a rating share it with your friends all of that good stuff and I'm going to play you off with the lead song the title track from Lisa's EP it's called Gravity Eternal thoughts, they get the best of me I tried to be your friend, and not an enemy My energy is delicate and ripe with insecurity It cuts me, and I bleed it all out into my artistry It's hard to see it as a gift, it's just a part of me It's tearing me apart, and there's no stopping me Music's a monopoly on my mental property It don't pay the rent, but it is a major artery
Aching like carcinoma to the lung Infected by your charm Well now I caught the bug So many subtleties that hold you high above Like your mental complexity It affects me like a drug You like to play chess and in your life it manifests Strategizing every move You're two steps ahead We like to argue Fight about some whack shit But that's okay because your love for me is evident No puedo cambiar las cosas del pasado Entonces tomaría chupitos de repasado Salud I'm